What if every experience, every hardship, every obstacle was given to you, not to break you, but to mold you and strengthen you? What if the center of your suffering was actually the key to ultimate health? And what if your own pain was meant to be the catalyst for your greatest purpose? Welcome to Buddha Belly Life, empowering purpose, mind to microbiome. Welcome to the Buddha Belly Life podcast. I am Coach Britt, and we are so excited to finally be joined today by Dr. Linda Alvarez. She is a medical doctor and MBA holder with over 10 years of experience, including roles in national, regional advocacy, and nonprofit work. Thank you, Dr. Linda, for being here through many tech issues, through all kinds of rescheduling, through different things on our end. I am so excited. This You're going to be an epic series to have on here <laughs> with all the fun things you have to share because of what it's taken for us to be here. You are also my most patient interviewee. <laughs> oh my goodness. I, it is my pleasure to be here. I am so excited to be on the podcast and that we're doing it and that it's happening. I feel the same way. This is going to be the best podcast because of every And we are really recording now. (laughs) We just did some great information for about nine minutes that was not being recorded. (laughs) So we are re going to get into um, Dr. Linda's incredible story of medical training. Um, and the pivot she made, as well as the interesting and totally unique sabbatical she took in the middle of her medical training. So, Dr. Linda, tell us, tell us about this story. Yeah, so um, I think you really encapsulated it well, because when I start to tell people about my story and, you know, my medical journey, my career path, it's definitely not linear. <laughs> um, Nothing is, know, right? <laughs> oh, never is. All of the good stuff is, isn't linear, you know? Um, but I feel so rewarded and so empowered because I made those pivots through my clinical training and just feel kind of any tasks that I go on to next, Mm -hmm. I'm prepared for. Um, And so in my medical training, I think the first time that I actually went along that different path was in medical school. Um, As you mentioned, I took a sabbatical. Um, So I decided in between my second and third year to take um, a year off to study yoga, nutrition, and Ayurveda, which is traditional Indian medicine. Um, And I wanted to do that because as I was going through the first two years of medical school, we call those um, your basic sciences. You kind of get all of that book work really done. Um, So you go into detail in biochem and in pharmacology. And what I was noticing was that the cause of disease and pathology and a lot of the treatment mechanisms for these pathologies was nutrition and having an understanding of nutrition. And I was frustrated as a medical student that there wasn't an emphasis on nutrition the same way as it was with the other science courses. And, you know, nutrition was looked at much more of as like an elective or like kind of that class that you could take a breather in when it really is such like P.E., Right. And I'm like, yeah. no, this is the this is the stuff that I want to learn about. This is like, oh, this is like the nuts and bolts of like how the human body like functions and what we do and how we convert energy. And it it wasn't about that. Um and so I just felt dissatisfied and I, you know, I couldn't 
when I was interacting with patients as an early medical student, you know, I was able to explain their diseases. I was able to explain the medication. And then when they would ask me, well, what does that mean with what I eat? I was like, oh, you're diabetic, low sugar. And I couldn't get past, you know, I couldn't give more details or somebody had kidney disease and I couldn't, you know, say something outside of fluid restrictions and a low sodium diet. And that didn't sit well with me um, before I was going on to my clinical work. And so, yeah, I put my foot down and I was like, I am going to take a year sabbatical, um, despite some of my lovely advisors who I still care about um, saying that you shouldn't do that. (laughs) But I did it. um, And it was such an amazing, rewarding year. It made me so much more ready to work with patients and have an understanding of how we could make lifestyle modifications and nutrition changes for healthier outcomes. And so, I mean, I loved it and it still influences me to this day, but yeah, it was, it was not conventional. (laughs) Oh, well, and, and kudos to you for following your soul on that and not following, you know, authority or, I mean, it can be so intimidating to have people that are leaders or mentors in our life who give us, you know, recommendation to say, Hey, I, I feel called in this direction and I, this is what I need to do. I mean, the greatest successes that most people make, I feel like they have stories like that where I had to, I had to walk it alone. It reminds me of childbirth. I had all my kids. I had all natural home births with all three of my kids. Oh oh my goodness. You're a superwoman. Uh, (laughs) Well, well, it was, it was intense, but it's like you, you can have all the support in the world, but when it comes down to it, it is just you, your baby and God or whatever spiritual presence you you feel and um you got to walk that alone and it's but when you're done you just you emerge just this powerhouse because you realize like you needed to walk you needed to to go through that whole experience and like emerge you know and as this person and all this strength and you did that you know (laughs) thank you yeah I mean and to that point too you know you start out kind of going at it alone actually when I decided to do that pivot I was recorded as like one of the first medical students in the country to ever do it during medical school people are like (laughs) after and I was like no this is the time I'm learning um but you actually end up finding those people who believe in what you are doing and believe in you Uh and really kind of help mold you know how you should be approaching things how to do things you know with Uh, a mindset that allows you to incorporate what you're going to find to be useful, how do you apply it, um, and grow within that capacity. And so I found my mentors that I still am very, very close with to this day through that year and through that process because, you know, they weren't afraid to say that they support me or that they weren't sure of this journey I was going on, but they had my back and that was the best. Mm, That's (laughs) and they supported they supported you and your individualism you know it's like it's like telling someone they're self-employed and then you know reprimanding them for what they do with that business you know it's a doctor is going through this intense I mean you guys have to be so smart and so academically able to get to where you are um 
you deserve the the recognition and the freedom a little bit of <laughs> thought, especially since they they call you know medicine a practice. That there is no you know it's not like every doctor thinks the exact same. It's good they don't. You know, my grandma. This is a crazy story. I'm ready for it. <laughs> oh yes. So my grandma, she's passed away now, but she had cancer she had a type of leukemia a weird type of leukemia and she beat it and she was a smoker for years too right and that didn't take her out necessarily you know directly and then she had this this rougher type of leukemia went through some chemo and things like that <clears throat> ended up that didn't take her out initially either and and so it was really cool, but she then after, you know, all the treatments and things and she wasn't like a, you know, a holistic person, the restorative piece wasn't, you know, all that mm-hmm. she went traditional the whole way. Um, but then she ended up dealing with weird, <clears throat> like, you know, vasculitis, autoimmune kind of neuropathy kind of stuff. And she had this strange gangrene type infection mm-hmm. thing in her leg so badly that they were, they scheduled her for amputation and they said, you know, we've got to amputate. Um, now this is just a story. This is not medical recommendation. I'm just saying that but I'm telling a story because it's an important story to tell. And so after all this stuff, you know, they tried all these things to get rid of it, antibiotics and et cetera. And it kept, it didn't work and it was getting into the bone or they're afraid or mm-hmm. something like that. It was pretty severe. So they scheduled her for amputation and it was, I think my aunt or somebody that said the day or so, right before she was scheduled for amputation, they said, no, we're going to, we're going to take her to another get a second opinion. So they go to a second doctor and um, they, they said, don't amputate right now. And they actually told her to put mayonnaise on it, on her wound. And I I still don't exactly know what that's about. And sure enough, it did it. And she never had her leg cut off. She didn't pass away until a couple years ago. um, Cause you know, then by then cancer came back, went to her lungs and all over. But, uh, she was just inches away from having her leg cut off. And the point being was that it's a practice, you know, second opinions. It's like, we still need to empower our own research, you know? No, I mean, it's, it's, it's so different too. I mean, that's, that's why I loved my, my residency, for example, because I had, I had two different types of physicians that I was learning from, particularly for that reason, for that practice, that I wanted that scope of understanding. So I had one, you know, attending who was very, I mean, we called him um, PubMed, which is a a journal um, search engine that we use, Uh because he could literally just tell you, you know, if you were to make a point about something, he'd be like, oh, well, that was just published in the New England Journal of Medicine, this, this, and this, and they found this. And he could cite back articles from decades ago. And then we had another physician who I called kind of, you know, would practice more so, I felt like cowboy medicine. He had to, um, he was actually trained in um, different third world countries. That's where he did his residency and his training. And he had to have a understanding of the fundamentals of medicine because there were such limited resources where he was treating. And he had to figure out, okay, if we don't have access to this, how do we do this, this, and this? It was, mm-hmm. it was incredible. And so to be able to work with the both of them, I was like, oh, I can take you know, this knowledge 
from both parties and, and really develop a full kind of understanding of care. Um, and, and so to your point, like it's, it's so much so a practice. And, you know, even though I'm not um, practicing clinical medicine right now, I'm still <laughs> always reading and constantly looking at journal articles, reviewing the current guidelines that are released because it's, I mean, it's its kind of who we are as doctors. We're very inquisitive and that's what makes great scientists too, is that you're always seeking out more knowledge. Do you have a desire for fulfillment? Does helping people tap into their own health mentally, emotionally, and physically fire you up? Do you believe in the impact of the gut microbiome on overall wellness? You may be an HWCA coach. For more info on our cutting edge health coach trainings, visit hwcacoach.com. So your journey took you through, I mean, just a brief, because we're going to touch more on your, your now stuff in a little later, but, um, your journey took you from through medical school with a, a hiatus for a sabbatical, which I would argue was hardly a sabbatical. I mean, it was a sabbatical from, I mean, I would say it's a sabbatical for sure. Um, but I'd say it was hardly a hiatus from medical training. I say that you were, you were definitely strengthening your knowledge, your viewpoints, your, your, the clarity and perspective you were able to have in prevention and all of that, um, immensely by, by doing that. And I wish more doctors would do what you did. I think it would be just a blessing to all of us. Um, but so you did that and then obviously you came back and you finished medical school and like, how did, what did that process look like of you finishing practicing and then advancing and deciding to again, pivot? (laughs) Yeah. So I, I went back, I finished my third and fourth year of medical school. Um, It was funny. I had people who, it was like three camps. There was one camp that was super excited for what I did and was like, oh, can you implement this with the patients that we're going to see? There was another camp that was like, that's ridiculous. Um, I've had had people who I've told I've done that and they've like spit their coffee out on me, like as they were laughing. Um, and then there is this this third camp, too, that thinks of it, you know, almost as like, oh, this is cool, but I, not my thing. Um, and so I used my third and fourth year really as an opportunity to implement what I learned um, during that time, too. I knew that I wanted to go into family medicine. And so I went and did my uh, family medicine residency. Um, I did family medicine too because I thought I I was going to go into sports medicine and sports management. Um, And then a lot of my patients were actually um, very chronic illnesses, terminally ill. Um, I ended up having a lot of the patients that had multiple um, uncontrolled diagnoses of chronic illnesses because I could manage it. Um, And with that too, I had a lot of patients that then became palliative or hospice. And so kind of my care would go from either um, trying to help them get over these diseases and live a longer life, or if the disease progressed, we would transition into palliative and hospice care. Um, And so I use that as, I mean, that's where I got a lot of um, reward in in my training. And so I went and I did a fellowship in hospice and palliative care. Um, 
And while I was working, I was working in a very large uh, public hospital, um, working with underserved patients. And I also noticed that the physicians really weren't getting quality treatment um, or care. I mean, we were working over 80 hours a week um, with limited access to food or even on call rooms when we were working overnight. Um, And so I got very active in my labor union as a physician um, and then became the vice president of the labor union for physicians in Florida and then the national executive secretary treasurer. Um, (laughs) And I actually left clinical medicine to do that full time. And so I was organizing other resident physicians, how to form their own unions, as well as helping nurses and physicians pass legislation and real types of political change that would positively impact our patients. Um, So I did that, yeah, during the COVID pandemic um, up until the end of 2020. Um, Yeah, we had over, we were overseeing uh, over 60 hospitals, 10 different states, over 20,000 doctors um, during the pandemic. Um, yeah, and it was a political job at the same time. Yeah. And so as much as I love politics, I was like, I'm going to step back. Um, and I also wasn't, you know, practicing anymore. And I was like this, you know, although I support this fight, this isn't my fight and I should be passing the torch. Um And I was holding that position while getting my MBA. And that kind of led me to my current, you know, um, calling and job and real passion, which is a level of sports nutrition company dedicated to female athletes. And so that's what I'm working on now. But it's, again, not linear, (laughs) kind of hard to follow, um, but super rewarding through that whole journey. Thank you for joining us for another empowering episode of Buddha Belly Life. For more information on gut health and mindset resources, visit BuddhaBellyLife.com. And remember, heal yourself and then empower others to do the same. <laughs>